Hello, unfiltered supporters. I hope you had a great holiday. I hope you're having a good holiday. So we're here this week with another special edition just for our supporters. We wanted to give you something unique. We had a little out-of-the-box idea to look back at some great old-time radio that would just give you some great theater of the mind, a little mystery to solve. And this week, we're going to feature some Sherlock Holmes. Now, you guys all know Sherlock Holmes. I don't need to go into an explanation of Sherlock Holmes. The radio station is kind of interesting. It had kind of an up-and-down life. Uh, it existed uh, originally on the air, went on the air in October 2nd, 1939. I think like it was called the Mutual Radio Network or something. Uh, I think in total there was like 220 episodes. Not bad. They would air on uh, Mondays from 8.30 to 9 p.m. Everybody would gather around and listen. One sponsor for the earlier episodes. One sponsor for the whole run for the earlier episodes. They later, when they moved to the Mutual Broadcasting Network, uh, I think they changed that a little bit. I hope you enjoy this look back. I retouched this episode up. It's an interesting one. It's called The Second Stain. It originally aired November 16th, 1954. And I thought it was very interesting. Enjoy. The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. The original and immortal stories of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle dramatized anew with Sir Ralph Richardson as Dr. Watson and Sir John Gielgud in the role of Sherlock Holmes. Ladies and gentlemen, I think I may have shown in the course of these narratives of mine that the exploits of my friend Sherlock Holmes ranged from affairs of the humblest order to matters concerning the very highest in the land. Of the latter, there are many which perhaps can never be told for reasons of diplomacy or even scandal. And in those that can, dates and names sometimes must be disguised even now, particularly in the unusual adventure which I have called the Second Stain. Oh, Mr. Holmes! Oh, Mr. Holmes, sir! Well, Mrs. Hudson, you seem a little overawed, if I may say so. Oh, it's the gentleman, sir. The two gentlemen to see you waiting downstairs, sir. Well, we've seen gentlemen before, Mrs. Hudson. Yes, our lives would hardly be economically possible without our visiting clients. Oh, but it's... Oh, Mr. Holmes. Oh, Dr. Watson, sir. In Baker Street, my humble house. Come, come, Mrs. Hudson. Not the Prince of Wales, surely. Oh, not far off, sir. It's the Prime Minister, sir. The Prime Minister of England, sir. Well, well, my dear Holmes, your dressing gown. Oh, here, take this, take this. Give me my jacket, my dear fellow. Yes, show him up, Mrs. Hudson. Show him up. You mustn't keep the Prime Minister waiting. So into our humble sitting room came those two great men. Lord Bellinger, the Premier, and his companion, the Secretary for European Affairs, the Right Honourable Trelawney Hope. So, gentlemen, I take it I may have the honour to be of some service to you. You are our only hope, Mr. Holmes. The Prime Minister suggested you at once. The moment I told him of my dreadful loss, it was impossible for us to go to the police. Dreadful loss, sir, indeed. Yes, to inform the police would be to inform the public. And that is what we particularly desire to avoid. An important state document is missing, mislaid while in Mr. Hope's possession. And it is of such importance that peace or war may hang upon the issue. I understand, my lord. 
Now, I should be obliged if Mr. Hope would kindly tell me the exact circumstances under which this document disappeared. Of course, sir. But uh, this gentleman, your companion? Dr. Watson is in my confidence in everything I undertake. Indeed, it is really almost impossible for me to embark upon a case without him. You can rely upon his discretion implicitly. To the very utmost, gentlemen, I promise it. Very well, then. It's a letter, Mr. Holmes. I can tell you that it's a letter from... From a certain foreign potentate, Mr. Holmes. Let us leave it so. Quite so, for the moment, at least. Well, when was it received, may I ask? Six days ago. It was so important that I've never even left it in my safe. I've taken it across each evening to my house in Whitehall Terrace and kept it in a locked dispatch box in my bedroom. It was there last night. You're certain of that? Quite certain. I opened the box while I was dressing for dinner and saw it there. This morning, it was gone. The box itself? No, only the letter. Ah. My wife and I are both light sleepers, Mr. Holmes. We're both prepared to swear that no one could have entered the room during the night. And yet the paper's gone. I face ruin. Ruin! What time do you dine, Mr. Hope? Half past seven. And how long was it before you went to bed? My wife had gone to a theatre. I waited up for her. It was half past eleven before we retired to our room. Yes, then for four hours the box had lain unguarded. No one is ever permitted to enter that room, except two trusted servants who are beyond suspicion. Who else knew of the existence of that letter? No one in the house. Not your wife? No, sir. I said nothing to her until I missed the paper this morning. Is there anyone else, my lord, in England who could possibly know of the existence of this letter? Only the members of the cabinet, Mr. Holmes, but all under the pledge of secrecy which attends every cabinet meeting. And abroad? I believe no one save the man who wrote it. And may I ask his name? Mr. Holmes, the envelope is a long, thin one of a pale blue colour. That is all I think that you need to know. Well, I'm quite aware that you are two of the busiest men in the country, and in my own small way I have a good many calls upon my time. I regret exceedingly that I cannot help you in this matter. Watson, would you kindly ring the bell? Mr. Holmes, how dare you? I am not a... Hmm. Very well. We must accept your terms, I suppose. No doubt it is unreasonable of us to expect you to act without our entire confidence. Thank you, my lord. Pray sit down again, Watson. Ah. Now then, gentlemen. The letter is from a certain foreign potentate who has been ruffled by some recent colonial developments in this country. It was written hurriedly and in anger, on his own responsibility entirely, and his ministers know nothing about it. You mean His Highness the Crown Prince of... Mr. Holmes. Well, very well, sir. Let me write it down on this slip of paper. Am I correct, my lord? Quite correct. And you see at once the implications. If that document should fall into the hands of any other chancellery in Europe, a breach would be made between this potentate and our country with fatal consequences. You must find it, Holmes. Great heavens, you must, sir. My whole future depends upon it. I shall do my best to help you, Mr. Hope. I can do no more. But if the theft occurred last night before you retired, as it must have done... The paper must at this moment be speeding on its way to the continent as fast as steam can take it. My lord. Well, Mr. Holmes? If I may presume to advise you. Yes, yes. There's only one course open to you. What is it, sir? Prepare for war, my lord. For... I shall do what I can, but at least prepare for war. Good day, gentlemen. They've gone. Well, 
Well, Holmes, you behaved most discreetly, my dear fellow. I was so proud of you. Your whole air of detached interest, of style and helpfulness. You know, you've missed your calling, my dear Watson. You ought to have been a diplomat. Uh, oh, oh it's, it's no laughing matter, Holmes. You think not? No, it really is a most serious affair. Well, alarmingly so. But the situation, though desperately serious, is not quite hopeless, I believe. What do you intend to do? Well, there are several foreign agents, big names among the international spy ring. If one of them should be missing, especially if he's disappeared since last night, we shall then have some indication of where the letter may have gone. Ah, yes, yes. But if, if none of them is missing... Then we can take it that the letter hasn't left the country yet. That would be something of a miracle. And in that case... Well... I might be able to get it back. After all, I have the whole British Treasury behind me. <laughs> if it's on the market, I'll buy it back, even if it means another penny on the income tax. <laughs> but who, who are the likely agents? Only three that are big enough. Oberstein, La Rotiere, and Eduardo Lucas. What? Holmes! Holmes! My dear fellow, you look so white. What on earth's the matter? Holmes! Heaven knows you've astonished me more than once with some spectacular announcement. Now it's my turn. Well, Watson? Eduardo Lucas Holmes. You said Lucas, I think? Yes, of course. Of Godolphin Street? Exactly. You won't see Lucas Holmes. And why not, pray? He was murdered in his house last night. Lucas! You don't mean it! I was reading about it before our visitors arrived. Eduardo Lucas, the well-known society flaneur and distinguished amateur tenor, murdered most brutally by a knife in the heart. Watson! An amazing coincidence, Holmes. Coincidence, man? Great heavens, you can't really mean it. Eduardo Lucas dead, I tell you, Watson... Well, 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 what's the matter, Mrs. Hudson? Twice, sir, twice in one day, to think that my humble room... Well, who on earth, who is it this time, woman? The Lady Hilda, sir. Whom did you say? The Lady Hilda Trelawney Hope, Mr. Holmes. The wife of the gentleman with Lord Bellinger. Holmes, your dressing gown, your dressing gown. My jacket, Mrs. Hudson, please. And a moment later, our modest apartment, already so distinguished that morning was further honoured by the entrance of the loveliest woman in London, nay, in the world. I'd often heard of the beauty of the youngest daughter of the Duke of Belminster, but no description, no contemplation of a lifeless photograph had prepared me for the subtle, delicate charm and the beautiful modelling of that exquisite head. And I am not, I think, without taste as a judge in such things. Yet that morning the lovely cheek was paled with emotion. The eyes were bright, but with the brightness of fever, of terror. Holmes, I beg you, has my husband been here? Yes, madam, he has. Oh, I beg you, implore you to say nothing to him of this visit of mine. Lady Hilda, you place me in a very delicate position. Mr. Holmes, there was a most deplorable occurrence at our house last night. Oh, you must know. But, but since it was a political matter, my husband refuses to take me into his complete confidence. Indeed. What was that missing paper? What was it? Madam, that is something I cannot answer. If your husband thinks fit to keep you in the dark, it is hardly for me to tell you. I am pledged to professional secrecy. Well, tell me at least then. For heaven's sake, is my husband's professional career likely to suffer through the incident? Yes, I fear so. Oh, Mr. Holmes, from something that my husband said when he first discovered the loss this morning, I... Please I... go on. I understand the terrible public consequences might arise from the loss of this document. Perhaps even... even war. He said so, Lady Hilda. It is not for me to deny it. Won't you tell me, Mr. Holmes, 
I implore you, what was that missing paper? Then I must take up no more of your time. I can't blame you if you feel you can't speak more freely. The matter must have been very grave indeed before you were ever consulted. And I'm sure you won't think the worse of me for wanting to share my husband's anxieties, even, even against his will. Oh, I can only beg you once again to say nothing of my visit. It would only worry him the more. Good day, gentlemen. Well, well, wasn't, wasn't that extraordinary? The fair sex, Watson, that is your department, I think. Yes, when you've finished gazing out of the window to get a last glimpse of our elegant charmer, perhaps you'll be kind enough to tell me what you think she came for. Well, surely, surely her own statement was clear enough, Holmes. Her anxiety was very natural. Yes, no doubt. Yet you must have observed how very prettily she manoeuvred her chair so as to keep her back to the light. She didn't want us to read her expression, Watson. <laughs> well, you said the same about the woman from Margate who came to see us a month ago. It turned out that she was worried because she'd no powder on her nose. <laughs> true, true. The motives of women are certainly inscrutable. It's difficult to build upon such quicksands. Their most important decisions may depend upon a hairpin or a pair of curling tongs. Well, good morning, Watson. What? What, are you, you going, Holmes? Oh, just for a little while. Uh, to Godolphin Street, I think. Our friendless trade of the yard is sure to be there by this time. Eduardo Lucas murdered. There lies the solution, Watson. Do you stay on guard here, my dear fellow, and receive any further distinguished visitors who may honour our humble abode whilst I am away? I'll join you for lunch, Watson. Cutlets and green peas, if you could think of that. <laughs> All day and the next day, Holmes was in a mood which some might call taciturn and others morose. He ran out and ran in, smoked incessantly, played his violin, sank into reveries, devoured sandwiches at irregular hours, and hardly answered the casual questions I put to him. I felt a sense of impending doom as I watched London from our window going about its busy duties. I reflected that any moment the newsboys would cry havoc and the flower of our youth go marching off to war. As to the murder of Lucas, that remained as much a mystery as the theft of the document. He'd been stabbed to the heart with a curved oriental dagger, a trophy that hung on the wall of his room. It seems that nothing had been stolen, and an examination of his papers disclosed him as a keen student of international politics. That was all. Then... Suddenly... Well, we've solved it, Mr. Holmes. Really? Less trade, have you? Why not, eh? <laughs> we have our methods, too, you know. He means the murder, Holmes. Only the murder. Oh, more mysteries, Mr. Holmes. What's in the wind? Oh, nothing, nothing. Watson's just wool-gathering, my dear Lestrade. Oh, sorry, Holmes. Don't mention it, my dear fellow. Uh, sit down, won't you, Lestrade? Have a cigar. Oh, no, sir, I won't, if you'll forgive me. I was going to suggest we went round there to Godolphin Street. There's a little something that might interest you. Uh-huh. Well, what's happened, Lestrade? I think you said just now that you'd solved it. Well, as near as makes no matter. 
We'd a telegram from the Paris police, do you see? Seems this Lucas fellow has been a bit of a dog in his time. Very handsome kind of chap and so forth. He's been living a double life. It seems he had a wife in Paris. Oh, your department again, my dear Watson. Creole woman, as a matter of fact. Very hot-blooded Creoles. Yes, you know what women are like, Dr. Watson. Well, well, uh-huh, perhaps. Well, Lestrade, what's happened? Well, he'd been going it a bit in London, you know, one way or another. So we reckon she got jealous. According to the Paris fellows, she's gone quite mad since Tuesday. And it was established that she'd been in London on the night of the murder. She was seen near Godolphin Street. Yes, yes. Yes, it could only have been some kind of coincidence like that. Otherwise, the thing would have been public property by this time. <laughs> what is it, Mr. Holmes? Strikes me your mind's hardly on the business. I'd have thought it would have appealed to you. Oh, nothing, Lestrade, nothing at all. Uh, what was it you said just now might interest me over at Lucas's house? Ah, yes. Uh, the one small detail, Mr. Holmes. Nothing very important, you know. Just a bit freakish. We'd best go round to the house and I'll show you. You too, Doctor, eh? Rather in your line as well. Oh, really? Oh, of course. You know, I might even call it the mystery of the second stain, gentlemen. The murder solved, but there's still a mystery of the second stain, eh? <laughs> Come in. Let's round to Godolphin Street. Now then, Mr. Holmes, Dr. Watson, this is the very room, you see, where he was murdered. Aha, uh -huh, indeed. Now, look here, you see, the rug, Mr. Holmes. Now, just look at that rug, gentlemen. You see, when there's a crime of this sort, we're very careful to keep things in position. We've had an officer in charge here day and night. Quite so. I noticed him as we came in. Now then, we'd a notion to tidy things up a bit today. Now the body's been buried and such, and the whole thing's solved. Well, the rug isn't fastened down, you see, only just laid there. And we'd occasion to raise it. And we found the blood stain there. See the blood stain on the rug? Yes, yes. Now then, a great deal of blood must have soaked through, eh? Undoubtedly, undoubtedly it must. And yet you'll be surprised, Doctor, for there isn't a stain on the white woodwork beneath to correspond. But, uh, but there must be the straight. It's, it's impossible. So you'd say. Now look at the underside of the rug. The stain is the upper, see? Yet there isn't a mark on the floor. Watson, Watson. Now let me give you the explanation, Doctor. There is a second stain, you see? Look. Let me move this other edge. Yeah, over here. Now then, there's the stain on the woodwork beneath another part of the rug altogether. What do you make of that, eh? Ah, oh, come, Holmes, you don't seem to be attending to this. Oh, it's, uh, it's simple enough, surely. The two stains did correspond, but the rug's been turned round. You see, Holmes? <laughs> we hardly need Mr. Holmes's famous methods to tell us that, Dr. Washington. Now, My then. dear Estrade, didn't you say that the constable out there had been in constant charge of this place? Yes, he has. Well, then take my advice, Lestrade. Go out and examine him privately. Don't do it here before us. We'll wait in this room. Ask him how he dares to admit strange people and leave them alone in this room. No, no, don't ask him. Tell him. Take it for granted. What? By George! If he has, I'll get it out of him. You mean... I mean, hurry, ma'am, hurry, hurry. Right, hurry. sir, I'll do it at once. Now then, Watson, in heaven's name, get off that rug. What? What, Holmes? Well, upon my soul, what do you mean? The rug. Pull away the rug. Huh? Turn it right back. Huh? 
Now, quick, examine the floor underneath it. There must be a cavity here. A cavity? What, what do you mean, Holmes? In the boards, man, the floorboards. Huh? Look for a loose one. Huh? Ah. Here, here, I've got it, Watson. Wait, it, it's a hole. It, it's a kind of, kind of safe. Yeah. Ah, but it's empty. I might have known. Get the rug in place again quickly, Watson. Ah. The straight's coming back. Quick, quick. Here we are. That's all right. Well, you were right, Mr. Holmes. McPherson here has confessed. I'm sorry, sir. I'm really sorry. I, I never meant any harm. I never said you did. What happened? A young woman, sir, came to the door. Last night it was. Uh-huh. And mistook the house, she said. And then we got talking. Well, it's kind of lonesome when you're on duty, you know. And... Well, man, speak up. So she asked if she could see where the crime was done. I didn't see any harm. She just had a peep. And... and you let her in here, eh? Well, she'd such coaxing ways, sir. Then when she saw the blood, you see... Yes, yes. She kind of fainted, sir, right down on the rug here. Did she indeed? And so you went to get some water, I suppose, to bring her round? Yes, sir, from the kitchen downstairs. Uh-huh. And she was all right when I came back, and then she went away. I didn't mean any harm, sir. Tell me, Macpherson, did you notice anything about the rug when you came back, eh? The rug? Hmm. Well, sir, it was a bit kind of rumpled where she fell, so I just straightened it, sort of. I see. Macpherson, come over here, would you? I want to show you something. Just excuse me a moment, gentlemen. Now, look here, Macpherson. This photograph. You recognize it? Good Lord, yes, sir. How did you know? (laughs) Never mind. Come, Watson. Thank you. Thank you, Constable Macpherson. You've inspired me, man. And perhaps you've saved your country, too. Eh? Well, look here, Mr. Holmes. You too, let's trade, of course. My best congratulations. Good day, gentlemen. Congratulations. Good day. I hurried after him. He was at his most typical, his most excited, as he was at the climax of all his great solutions. I could only marvel, could only share the excitement of the extraordinary man by my side as we were ushered into the great house in Whitehall Terrace and waited for Lady Hilda. Mr. Holmes. This is surely most unfair and ungenerous of you. I implored you to keep our business relations a secret. Unfortunately, Lady Hilda, I had no possible alternative but to visit you in pursuit of my commission from the Prime Minister. How do you mean? I know everything, Lady Hilda. I know of your visit to Eduardo Lucas when you gave him that document. I know, too, of your ingenious return to his room last night and the device which you used to get the letter back again from its hiding place under the rug. You're mad, Mr. Holmes. No, no, Lady Hilda. I have no wish to cause you pain or to reproach you for your rash behavior. But the policeman on duty recognized you from a photograph that I showed him. Oh, Oh, yes. Yes, it's true. Why did you take it, madam? Quickly, quickly, the time is short. Blackmail. Ah. A letter I wrote long ago when I was a girl. It was all a misunderstanding, but if it had come into my husband's hands, it would have broken his heart. Lucas got hold of that somehow. Yes. I'd no idea he was such a man. He'd always seemed so charming. Then one day, he told me that he had that letter of mine and that I could only have it back if I took him in exchange a certain document from my husband's dispatch box. That very one you see on the desk there. Well? He said it was all quite harmless, a a kind of joke. I was nearly demented with fear. I, I took an impression of the key and Lucas had a duplicate made. And I took the paper to his house. And what happened there, Lady Hilda? 
It was like a horrible dream. As I went in, I saw a woman watching the house. A strange, dark woman. I gave Lucas the paper and he gave me my letter. Then there was a sound at the door and Lucas pulled back the rug and pushed the paper into a hiding place there. And then... then and then, madam? The door burst open and the woman came in. The one I'd seen outside. She was screaming something about, at last I found you with her. So I ran out in a panic and, and the last I saw was that she had snatched a dagger down from the wall and was rushing at him like a wild cat. Oh, Mr. Holmes, I, I can't go on. You must, Lady Hilda. I suppose you realised next day that the paper was more important than you thought. Yes. Yes. That was why I came to you. I saw ruin facing us, the whole world in arms because of my selfishness. And then I thought that with Lucas dead, the paper would still be in its hiding place. And well, you know how I went to the house again last night and got it back by a trick. Somebody's coming, Holmes. With my husband. I know his step. Oh, I can't face him, Mr. Holmes. Mr. Holmes, what shall I do? You've told your story well, Lady Hilda. <laughs> Quickly, give me the letter and the key. Here it is. Thank you. Watson, pass me the dispatch box. Now, here, down among the other papers. Yes, deep down. Good. Good. Now we're ready for him. Go quickly, Lady Hilda. You have a door there. Compose yourself. All will be well. Oh, heaven bless you, Holmes. Heaven bless you both. Holmes. My dear Holmes, that was splendid. Splendid. Oh, Mr. Holmes, they told me you were here. What news have you? I have good news, sir. What? Lord Bellinger, do you hear? You mean... You have the paper, Mr. Holmes? Not yet, my lord. That is why I am here. What do you mean? I'm not convinced, Mr. Hope, that the paper has ever left this house at all. But it's impossible. If it had, it would have been made public by this time. No, gentlemen, it's still here, I think. You have my assurance that it left the box, Mr. Holmes. I'm not convinced even of that, sir. Oh, come, this joking is ill-timed. It's unworthy of you. The box is there, Hope. It's easily enough decided. Mr. Holmes, if you're joking on such an issue... I never joke, Lord Bellinger, as Dr. Watson will tell you. Thing absurd. A report from Lord Merrow, a memorandum from Belgrade, a note from Madrid, a report from... Great heavens. My lord. My lord! The blue envelope. And the letter intact. It's inconceivable. You're a sorcerer, Mr. Holmes. How did you know it was there? Because I knew it could be nowhere else. I must tell my wife. Hilda! Hilda, my dear! All's well! Mr. Holmes. Oh, Mr. Sherlock Holmes, there's more in this than meets the eye, sir. How did it come there? How? You must allow us, sir, to keep our little diplomatic secrets. Good day to you, my lord. I'm always at your service and at the service of my country. Come, Watson. The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, based on the original stories of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, have been dramatized anew with original music composed by Sidney Torch. Sir Ralph Richardson played the part of Dr. Watson and Sir John Gilgood that of Sherlock Holmes. The program was produced by Harry Allen Towers.